What movie did we just watch, Amy? We just watched and kind of had a conversation about <laughs> Suspiria, the 2018 remake of the 1977 classic horror film, mm-hmm. Italian. Yep. Uh, yep. And yeah. we, we, we talked we, about it for about 10 minutes and then the, and then the recording was borked. Went out. So. so we're going to have to reenact some of the things that we <laughs> said before. It was good content, uh, it too. Was, it was good content. Um, so this is our unresearched, unrehearsed, unscripted Lightly rehearsed response. now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Let's see if it's any better the second time around. Yeah. It's, then it's not really our first reactions. <laughs> Um and oh, full of spoilers. Yes, we're so, gonna spoil the heck out of it, and we mean it this yeah. time. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So the rough plot synopsis is: it takes place in 1977 in Berlin mm-hmm. in six acts and an epilogue. Mm-hmm. That's what the title chord yes. at the beginning said. And Which I like when movies do because it gives me a sense of where I am in the film. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I I don't know of many films. Not that many really do break it down. I feel like I saw another film recently though that was like part one of six or so, something like that. Um, it's probably something I watched by myself. But. Yeah, well, I want to come back to that. Let me do a summary oh, first. Uh, the silent film we just watched had acts. Oh, Dr. Caligari's yeah. Yeah. cabinet, the cabinet of Dr. Yeah. Caligari. But we'll come back to that. You have no. I point. don't remember the acts in it, but. In Dr. Caligari. Yeah. Well, but the, the summary is, it's 1977 Berlin. Mm-hmm. Protagonist is an American dancer mm-hmm. who auditions and for this prestigious modern dance company. And um, gets in. And gets in as kind of like a, a prodigy student. Uh, and there's something spooky. Something, yeah, something spooky. Unsettling is happening. In unsettling. The, in the dance company. That's right. And then I think we said that <laughs> rehearsing our last conversation. <laughs> that this was a good choice for the last Spooky Month movie of Spooky Month because now you, we can never watch spooky movies again. Right, even though we had a Christmas movie mm-hmm. thrown in. One Well we can watch a spooky movie for Christmas then to make up for well, it. Well yeah. There's genres are hard. <laughs> genres made up. Genres are less useful yeah. <laughs> than you think. <laughs> Um, Which I think is probably why we use the term spooky in a very tongue-in-cheek manner in our selection criteria. <laughs> well, also, that's just a word that's been floating around the internet this year about mm-hmm. October is everyone saying spooky month. And yeah. that's the first time I really remember it being uh, referred to it. Like, everybody refers to the before time. Yes. And <laughs> I am positive that I said it before anyone else. <laughs> So either I started the trend, yeah, or we're all like we're just all in the same telekinetic you know, trauma, like not tele- tele- telepathic, before time, spooky month. Yeah. Um, oh, telepathy's on brand too for this film. Mm-hmm. But it was a good choice because it is a horror movie, but it's not a jump out scare. You need to scream or cover mm-hmm. your ears. Our eyes. Yeah. Um, it's just creepy. It is very, very creepy. The word you used was unsettling. Yeah. And um, it just gets more and more <laughs> unsettling. There's some serious gore mm-hmm. and blood. I, yeah, I'd say serious. Like, and there's a lot of it. It almost felt over the top to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. 
like yeah, in like, like not in a realism way, but in like a not quite camp way either, like somewhere mm-hmm. between. Mm-hmm. Um, double spoiler alert: When Tilda Swinton's neck or head gets mostly chopped off, and it is like a fountain of blood, mm-hmm. <laughs> like that—that that was the sort of like over and above. Well, in that whole scene, and people's heads were exploding, yes. and it was just. <laughs> Um, yeah, very blood. gory in that sense. Very but, yeah. gory, but very, um, especially in the last scene. Yeah, was very uncomfortable to watch. Mm-hmm. Felt like it was intentionally uncomfortable. Um, yeah, it's yeah. a movie about dance witches. Dance witches. Did we say this time around that you like movies about witches? Yeah. Did I say that yet? You didn't, you didn't say that. Yet. Okay. You can say that now. This is this is why we get first takes to not <laughs> practice it before. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I was also glad we picked it. I picked it mm-hmm. um, because it had witches, and yeah. witches are so much cooler than zombies. Yeah. And I think the like psychoanalytic, the feminist psychoanalytic things that happen in a lot of witch movies are fascinating mm-hmm. and just ripe for yeah. some although it is interesting as you pointed analysis. out that it does seem to have a mostly male creative team mm-hmm. on this which which as you said there's a paper in there somewhere <laughs> well and that's another uh film like that it reminds me of is the witch mm-hmm. which was about puritan yeah um which is was also kind of it was a male creative team but it was extremely psychoanalytic yeah yeah real good um, film again in the same sort of like unsettling creepy like Lots of people go, this isn't a horror film. And you go, no, it absolutely is a horror film. You're weird for thinking otherwise. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I think there's something in like, there's definitely a Lacan kind of reading and then a Julia They mentioned Kriskova. Lacan in the movie. I know, they mentioned <laughs> Lacan. And I mean, they have a psychologist yeah. there in, in the movie, a German psychologist. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so ripe for the, yeah. the psychoanalytic. And of course, Amy didn't realize that who the German psychologist? No, you got it. We got to pretend. Reenact, okay, okay. Reenact. Well, did you did you figure out what was going on with the psychologist in terms of like the actor who was behind it all? Well, so say the psychologist was kind of on the side story sure. to psychoanalyze yeah. some of the women. Mm-hmm. Um, dancers starts out with uh, early on a dancer who's incredibly agitated and who disappears and he's yeah. looking for her and so. I was, was played by somebody the, kind of famous too. Okay. Was well, no yeah. Chloe, Chloe Grace Moretz. Oh yeah, yeah, the dancer, the disa- disappeared dancer, the disappeared dancer. Yeah, and then the actor playing the psychologist. The psychologist. The old man. Are you familiar with who that was? Did no, you I don't know who that actor is. Oh. Well, it was Tilda Swinton. What? <laughs> what? Yeah, the whole time. Like I, there's just something about like old person makeup that I can almost always spot it. Um, I think it's because Wait, no Tilda Swinton with the psychologist. Yeah, well, that and the the old lady in the the wheelchair at the end is also oh, Tilda Swinton. Why won't I tell? Why did you figure that out? I don't know. I, you were very bad at this game. I am generally I am... very bad at this game. <laughs> I I figured out that there was something going on with that person in in the makeup sense, and that it was just off enough that I was like, I think. And then I kept watching. I was like, yeah, that's definitely like Tilda Swinton, um, who always brings so much to her role. Like anything <laughs> she's in, she she does amazing things with. She was so amazing that I completely missed yeah, it. Yeah, she just disappeared into the role. 
did not know that. Yeah, it adds a whole other layer of meaning to everything, into this already sure, layered film. Sure does. Which is right, also when I asked time. you if uh, if Tilda Swinton played Dakota Johnson. Yes. Oh, yeah, we made that joke. It was a good joke. But no. No, Dakota, Dakota Johnson, Johnson played, played Dakota Johnson. Johnson. Dakota Johnson is one of those people that, like, I don't recognize in movies. Uh-huh. I think I think I wrote her off because she was in all the Fifty Shades movies and the the movies were bad. Yeah. Although but, it turns out there's a lot of great actors in those movies. Yeah. Which was like that was that was lazy performance criticism sure. of, of me. Um because I've I've been impressed by her work. Mm-hmm. I was trying to think of the hotel movie we watched that was on the border. There was the line down the oh, middle yeah. of the um the El was the Bad El- Times at the El Royale. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she was real good in that. Um, yeah, and and this, she looked like a kid. Like, she looked like a teenager. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, uh, yeah. She did a good job. She, she did disappear also yeah. into that character. She was not played by Tilda Swinton, however. No. <laughs> Tilda Swinton just played three parts. <laughs> yes. So, I so. mean, you could cast Tilda Swinton as everything in a movie, and it would probably be fine. <laughs> no. she, she's got it covered. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, was, I wanted to look up, like, how did she get that role? Like, was it, like, how deliberate of a choice was it? Was it from the beginning that we wanted to have her in both? Or my my head canon is that Tilda Swinton just showed up to set and was like, I want this one too. Well, <laughs> the one way to, without any research answers, yeah. question is to watch the original film. Yes. And see. I was looking at a recap of the original film on its Wikipedia page, and I don't think that character existed. Okay. At least as I was reading it, um, I didn't finish reading it, so I could be wrong. But yeah, it was I, that that I think was an addition to the story. Mm-hmm. But I know Tilda Swinton wasn't in both, so no, no. That that I I would now be interested in watching the nineteen seventy seven film since I have this as a reference. Mm-hmm. Um, if you haven't heard before, I don't do great with older yeah movies. <laughs> For whatever, I appreciate the artistry of them. <laughs> you just don't want to watch them. But that's not my pleasure yeah. place for movies. Um, but to see what... Because I, I was surprised that so much... I mean, I came in not really... I watched the trailer, but I didn't yeah. know anything about it. How much the Holocaust played into it and 1977 being you know kind of like 30 years after mm-hmm. um the holocaust and the the after effects of it yeah of the the trauma and um it just gets mentioned kind of in passing mm-hmm. i think that the psychologist's story was much more con- like directly connected yes um to the holocaust because his wife Went missing. Went missing and went to Tarzan, yeah. um, the camp. And uh, he. Th- there was some sort of guilt where he hadn't gotten her out soon enough. Mm-hmm. I assume maybe she was Jewish. Yeah. And she was going to be um, captured. Mm-hmm. So that was a more direct. But they were making... But this dance company was, was established... Already. In 43. Mm-hmm. And, like, um, Blanc... Uh, one of which is Tilda, the, the Tilda main, Swinton's other the main characters, Tilda Swinton the recognizably role. Tilda Swinton role, um, you know, is sort of given the credit of like getting the company through all of that and keeping it together and keeping it on its feet. 
um, both literally and metaphorically, and and has a lot of history. And then the whole there's the whole uh, coven, for lack of a better term, of sort of senior people in the company um, whose roles are never super firmly established. And I think that's intentional. So much of the conversations are happening not well whether it's just that the camera is looking a different way mm-hmm. and they're talking or if that represents them talking telepathically so you can't i i couldn't keep track of who was i who. couldn't tra- keep track of who is who i knew yeah. that tilda swinton's character was blanc and that yeah, took me a little while about it. <laughs> to figure out um i didn't know who marcos was mm-hmm. and i was it wasn't meant to yes um yeah that's something the movie does a really good job of telling you what it wants you to know without it feeling like it's hiding things from you. Um, it felt very much like a movie without exposition. Yeah. And yeah. in, in the sort of way that like, sometimes that can be really bad and you have no idea what's going on. But, but this case, it was like, no, this is just as it happens. Mm-hmm. And so we're seeing these things. So you get very few, like, as you know, we founded this coven 46 years ago to do yada, yada. Um, and so you see some of the, the rituals and their practices and they only get explanations for them later. Yeah. And I was confused a lot and I uh, still don't, <coughs> bless you, fully know mm-hmm. what happened. I think we said before it's a film that we'd like to watch again because there's so much stuff happening. There's yeah. so many layers. There's a lot going on. Um, and I, it, it's, I think it's an open-ended film. You're supposed to kind of be confused and mm-hmm. and not... I, there are a lot of questions left, yeah. which... This is exactly the sort of film that would get a YouTube video. The ending of Suspiria oh, we Explained. Saw, we saw those YouTube... Because we searched the trailer oh, yeah, on, we did. Uh, on YouTube. <laughs> and we saw all the thumbnails for... Suspiria Explained. What happened? Uh, Kevin and I love movies that are kind of open-ended. Yes. And open to interpretation. <laughs> um, but I think... A lot of people really want to know, but what did but it what mean? happened? What was it? Who what was... what was the answer? Yeah. What was the big T truth <laughs> of all this? Yeah. And it's like if the movie wanted you to know, it would have told you. Although sometimes the movie doesn't tell you because they're doing a bad storytelling. Yes, yeah, that happens too. I don't think that was the case in this. Everything no, this everything was, worked very well in creating the atmosphere that it was putting forward. Yes. What else? Oh, yeah, we all are sub- so another layer that's happening <laughs> on the periphery. So many is layers. This uh, plane hijacking from the RAF, mm-hmm. terrorists from the RAF, which is some sort of workers' coalition or uh, something. Yeah, I, I just don't know. Um, that's happening. We know through news reports. Through news reports. Um, and it seems really important. <laughs> Yes. I don't know if it's actually like I don't know if historically it happened, um, but it definitely sets the film in a very particular time and place. Yeah, that that's off. So I felt like I was I was missing what the symbolism of it was. Mm-hmm. So that was something that I would kind of look up to see. Yeah, and um, bring back to the table bring, with it because it was it was kind of bookended by this this terrorist mm-hmm. hijacking of a plane. And the Holocaust. Yeah. And, and the SS. And before Holocaust, too, just, like, the rise of the Nazis. Yes. All of that. It wasn't just a single moment. Uh, right. And another another film where Berlin is kind of another character. Yeah. Which like, we now watched yeah. a couple. Yeah, Atomic, Atomic Blonde. Blonde had that. 
in a slightly different period of Berlin history, but not super removed. Um, I, well, that's not true. It was like 30 years apart, but <laughs> or 20 years apart. 77 to 89. Yeah, the wall that's, fell. That's, that's a decade. It's not 20 years. It's not 20 years. Well, math's hard. That's like 10 years. I went 70 to 90 is what I did in my head, not actually counting the middle okay. difference little... that made it closer. I rounded. Uh-huh. So uh, that's just to get started. Yeah. <laughs> What's happening in this movie? Yeah, a lot's going on in this movie. I, I also didn't have a whole lot of notes to take because I was just being sucked in. I was, I was like, like yeah. I, wait, I don't know what's happening. I can't I can't stop to take notes because yeah. I need to pay attention. I will say something that I wrote that, that bugged me just a little bit about this movie is I just wanted to watch some of the dance. Yeah, it was very hard to watch any of the dance that was going on. Um, And for a film where dance is so important, like, and they clearly like choreographed these works and like put a lot of work into producing them to film it so inelegantly. I don't know if that was intention. It may have been intentional to kind of, I don't know, replicate the ritual frenzy of it, but. Also, in general, uh, cinematographers can't get dance yeah. right. And not only could you not really see uh, the movements, and again, that could be intentional because it was just it was like frenetic. Mm-hmm. Um, like they were in these red rope costumes, yeah, those were and they're just like flailing everywhere. Yeah. Um, it was lit. So you couldn't see the dancer's body. Yeah. Even if you were sitting there alive. In the room, yeah. You couldn't see was, the dancer's bodies. It was disappointing from that perspective. And I I have the feeling, knowing choreographers, that a lot of thought was put into that movement. <laughs> it wasn't just dashed off, you know. Well, of course. They, yeah, but they could have also, in the director and cinematographer could have decided not to show it, yes. Uh, wanted to film mm-hmm. that, that have its own message. Yeah. Um, I just, because I think a lot of the dance seemed really interesting. And so I was disappointed that I wasn't watching it. And it, it felt like the movie was saying, you don't need to see the dance, which may be true. And that could be an intentional mm-hmm. choice, but I wanted to see the dance. <laughs> I like to see dance. Yeah. I like to see well choreographed, interesting dance. And this definitely seemed like it fell into that category. Um, and even like the one, the one where it was more justified and I gave it a lot of slack was the solo piece, um, towards the beginning, towards the, the beginning where Susie, um, Susie is played by Dakota, Dakota Johnson. Johnson. She's going to step into the, the, the main role of the dance having yeah. joined the company a day before. Yeah. She's like, I can do it. And Tilda Swinton's like, no, you can't. <laughs> She's like, no, I can do it. No, I can do it. I watched the documentary a hundred times. Which, okay. yeah, she's like, okay, we'll give it a shot. And then while that's happening, Olga, who has just quit the company in protest or because they're not. She knows something's up. Yeah, something's up with uh, Patricia's, Patricia's missing. missing. So she's like, I can't deal with this anymore. And then she gets trapped. And then what we're led to believe, again, this is a lot of ambiguity, is that unknowingly Susie, Dakota Johnson's character, by performing the dance, casts this spell on Olga, um, which mutilates her. Kind of, like, each movement that Susie makes is replicated as... I couldn't tell if it was 
like the movement was a hit against mm-hmm. Olga or if it was kind of the opposite of her bones moving in her yeah, body. It was, yeah. It was a disturbing scene to watch. Very disturbing. It was real uncomfortable to watch the woman. I don't know how much of it was was special effects versus the actual body of the dancer, um, but it felt very real and very visceral. Um, Because all of her bones are broken, taken out of joint. Yeah. But she's still alive throughout the entire thing, which is which she does a really good job of acting through all of that and and being out of control of her body as it is being flung about and, mm-hmm. and distorted and pulled. And so because there was this very strong dichotomy of Susie dancing and then the reaction in Olga's body, like that cross-cutting worked a lot yes. better. Yes. As opposed to the final performance where like we're still cross-cutting, but we're cross-cutting to um, Sarah wandering around in the basement in a way that is not directly connected at all or doesn't seem directly connected at all yeah there's a loose connection that they get her back upstairs Mm -hmm. Um, yes because she's supposed to be in the dance and she's not and then something bad happens and they bring her back and but it didn't it didn't work from a storytelling way in the same way that i think that first dance did right i i would agree um and so i think that was less successful. I think that was a moment where you could have let the dance breathe more. Um, even in the cross cutting, like there was still like every half second, it felt like there was a cut from one to here. And you had no sense of where you, anything was in the room or the place. And you couldn't keep track of, uh, Susie, even though she had different makeup on, like it was, it was very ineffective as a dance concert piece. May not have been what they were trying to do, but it didn't work as that. <laughs> no, it didn't work as an alive yeah. dance concert. And I guess I'm I'm thinking version. also of like um, I just watched last weekend uh, David Byrne's American Utopia, which did an amazing job of filming their dancers, and that is a a danced through concert. The entire band is all dancing on stage the whole time, um, and is beautiful, and was shot very well. Well, and like in the weekend before that, I watched um, Charles Anderson's company do recurrent unrest. Yeah. And that was, I think, like monumentally changing how a performance can be live streamed Mm -hmm. um, because the intent was to replicate for the viewer the experience of the dance. It was all through the stage and mm-hmm. the, the performers had cell phones that they were shooting some of the footage through mm-hmm. um, instead of just having like this like this camcorder set yeah. up in the, the, the audience. Which is still sometimes like the camcorder in the back of the audience is still sometimes a better choice than whatever was happening in a lot of movies that try and film dance. Cats being another example where they just failed to shoot the choreography at all. Well, yeah. I think I think they think that non-dance audiences can't concentrate on not being told where the, to look. Although, you are being told where of to look at a dance. being told where to look. That's called directing and choreographing. <laughs> um, so, well, I just say... There are people, I think Spike Lee has been doing great recordings mm-hmm. of performances yeah. to capture it. And this, and Charles Anderson, the way that his company mm-hmm. did, that was... Um, it can absolutely be done. Awesome. 
again, we don't have that as a choice. No, but intentional I, or not, intentional or not, I was disappointed by it. Because um, I think you can flip that on its head too, and I, I'm not saying like you have to do things because they're hard or because they're impressive, but doing something like a single shot of massive sections of a dance is harder to film. You can't cut and redo and cut and redo. Um, you have to actually perform the thing live to a certain extent mm -hmm. in a way that is harder and then ends up being more impressive on screen in my mind. Because I don't really know how good of a dancer uh, main character Dakota, Dakota, Dakota Johnson is. I don't either because they do a lot of cut to feet. So you're thinking, yeah. oh, there's somebody else. Yeah. There's and a stand in there. There is a distinction. And that, again, she doesn't have to be a good dancer to be good in this role. And she is good in this role. But being able to see her body in motion in more long shots would enhance that experience. And then I think be impressive. Kind of in the same way that uh, John Wick has a lot of long tracking shots of him running through a room in a very balletic way, killing people. Mm -hmm. um, it's choreographed. But it's highly choreographed. You know, it's highly effective when you do that. Or freaking um, hard-boiled. I'm pulling it off the shelf. Um, one of John For Woo's, those of you who can see through the yes, podcast. One of John Woo's greatest films um, has, towards the end, like an 11-minute long tracking shot action sequence as the two cops storm, I think it's a police station, um, that's under siege. And it's amazing. And it's impressive. Um, and mostly it was done out of the practical necessity of they didn't have enough time to shoot at all the different stunts. They just threw them all into one shot. And they said, go, we're doing it. <laughs> but it worked. It was fine. So I think you can do that with dance. And I think you should do that with dance. I will point out, though... Uh, that we've just spent a lot of time on something that's not a oh no, not, <laughs> not that a deal breaker at all. <laughs> it's not a deal breaker. It's also not like representative of the whole film. No. it is important because the dance kind of it it, it is a ritual mm -hmm. happening uh, yes. with the coven. Um, their bodies are creating something. Mm -hmm. We don't quite know what yet so yeah. it, it's important from that yes no this is just what i i do is i pick the part the one little thing and then go the rest of the movie was great yes <laughs> some people will hear that and think that you hated the whole movie no i know i thought it was a great movie i'm <laughs> glad we watched it i mean it also did not feel like it was two and a half hours long which is hard no, to do I sometimes was, i was um I engaged. Was thoroughly engaged the entire time. Even though I was creeped out and uncomfortable <laughs> and uh, thinking real hard. Do you know what Volk translates I looked to it up. in German? People. Okay. Because I know Volkswagen. Yeah. Was the Nazis well, I, I heard Volk and then I heard, like, oh, that's like folk. I wonder if that's a cognate. Uh, and it's sort of a cognate. Okay. The name of the dance is Volk. Yes. And it's been around since the 40s. Yes. And they've performed it and toured it. And this is going to be the last performance. Yep. And I'm just now realizing <laughs> that probably they were doing things in the decades before with that dance that were magic, witchy stuff. Yes, it was magic and witchy the whole time. The whole time. And this is the last time when I... Th I th my interpretation uh -huh. is they were going to reincarnate... Marcos yes. into Dakota Johnson's Yes, body. that was my interpretation as well. 
Um, and they were going to do that to um, Patricia, but it failed because she ran away and, and wasn't willing. She had a meltdown. Yeah. Um, um, and there's there's a vote within the coven of whether or not they should keep Marcos in charge. Or Blanc. Or Blanc. And Blanc loses, um, which makes her character arc more interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they do, and they, they find Dakota Johnson, and they push her and get her ready for this role. Only two major, major spoilers <laughs> have it all turned against them at the end. Well, and so another thing that's happening yeah. in the story <laughs> is that, uh, that's unclear, is that this coven is related to three mother figures who predate Christianity. Yes. Um, and are dark. Mm-hmm. I think they, like, weeping sighs and mm-hmm. sobs or, Mother of There's a lot something. of breath, a lot of a lot of gasping yeah, which breath. Which is you hear that in the the dancing yeah. choreography. That's part of it. Um, and so you, on the one hand, you're kind of led to believe that maybe um, some of these women are those original mothers. Mm-hmm. So they well, all you're led use to believe that that well because they call one, but they kind of use the mother term mm-hmm. like Mother Blanc, but then that's not one of the three mothers' names because yes. they're different names i don't know longer yeah <laughs> um, different more complicated names so you don't know so you're kind of like to believe what maybe they're descended from or mm-hmm. are are connected to content yeah or worshiping um, but then the psychologist makes an interesting point during his periphery story yeah that the nazis you know to gain a mythology would give themselves a backstory connected to the occult. Mm-hmm. And, Which is a thing they actually did. Um, y- yes. So then having that, his commentary now happening in direct relation to, to this dance, history. <laughs> is that, well, maybe these women are, you know, they're just kind of... Using that. They're not ordinary women. They are witches. They're definitely witches. <laughs> um, but that they are not actually descendants of or directly connected. Mm-hmm. Some, to the three mothers. To the three mothers and it seems like by the end that the psychologist was correct <laughs> that the mothers were, got a little mad they were uh, stealing the three mothers thunder yeah and misusing that yeah. um the power that which i gotta say a great reveal at the end <laughs> um because sarah um susie's friend dakota johnson's friend um, is very much, like, very worried about her and, like, oh, no, things are happening and she's going into these investigations and she's talking to the psychologist and is like, I'm discovering these things and it's spooky. And Dakota Johnson's like, yeah, no, it's fine. Everything's fine. Uh, you're just, we're just a dance troupe. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, only to then have her show up at the final ceremony and be like, I'm ready to murder you all. <laughs> oh, see, I, I took it as she did, she did come in as herself, naive and not knowing. Oh, did like, you? As as Susie. Okay. And gradually became more and more accepting of this sacrifice that she was going to make. And hmm. then at some point, when she comes into their basement dungeon thing, <laughs> that the cult room, the reincarnation. Oh, that's interesting. That's happened. that's a different read than I have. Um, because it's an it's an open and complex because it's film. Open. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, I read, I read, I read it that she was that person. She was Susie before she got to the Academy for a period of time. Because her backstory is sketched in as sort of being, being Amish and being, you know, dealing with the death of her mother. Um, the one we see gasping on the bed at the farm. Well, but okay. All right. Well, I interpreted it as <laughs> her mother started dying once Susie left. Oh, that's interesting. And Susie, when Susie gets the power of the mother, mm-hmm. her mother dies. Yes. That's interesting and not how I read that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, complex, interesting movies. <laughs> yeah. Cause I read that the mother was dead from the time Susie got to the, the school or the academy or the dance company. It's not really a school. It's just a dance company. They have dorm style sleeping arrangements, which make me keep thinking school. Ah, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, no, because they made a really big point of you, you know, you have to kill all your mothers before you can take on the spirit that's true and yeah. so that's where i can see that read i get that yeah. but uh i'm yeah. not gonna argue with you on it I, no I think, open to interpretation yeah. and watching <laughs> it again you're gonna get different ideas and different readings yeah uh the special effects were very much of the 70s which i thought was a really interesting stylistic touch a lot of the filmic special effects, like everything being, you know, tinted red in the final scenes mm. or the, the final scenes of Act 6, not the epilogue. Um, but a lot of like the nightmares were all done mm. in camera. Um, and what like, does that mean? Well, so it wasn't like it was the nightmare was presented as a montage of spooky imagery. Mm-hmm. And but all of that spooky imagery could have been filmed practically. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like a bunch of CGI monsters and stuff. Like the yeah. only the only just, obviously CGI thing was like the wispy spirit thing. Yeah, just a lot of disconnected images. Yes, um, and so those sorts of editing tricks felt very a piece of the 1970s, in that they were somewhat limited by technology. They didn't have the technology we have today. Yeah, well, and I think the same with the the gore. Yes, I think the same with the gore. It's it's that sort of like you slash a throat and it's just it just explodes. (laughs) Geyser of blood. Yeah, Um, yeah. I was also noticing like the color saturation Mm -hmm. seemed more of a 1970s. Yeah, and it was shot on film, which I thought was interesting. Mm. Um, I'm not a person who believes film is better than digital at all. Um, Did we watch the movies with Mikey on Knives Out? Yeah. Yeah, that was really You talked good. about the DP. Um, that one, I haven't watched the DP. Where oh, he yeah. figures out the algorithms. Yeah, to... yeah. He basically proves you can't tell the difference between film and, and digital if you know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, which he does. <laughs> take that, Christopher Nolan. I mean, yes. Take that, Christopher Nolan. Your movies aren't as good as you think they are. But yeah. yes, this was shot on film. Which I, I suspect was done in an attempt to, again, sort of replicate that style also the um like some close-up shots that are like really jerky i don't know how to describe it but if you saw it yeah. you'd be like oh that's like a 70s or 80s 
like stylistic thing, choice. Stylistic yes. thing. Yeah, it's hard to describe the aesthetic of, but it hit it nailed it very well. Um, in the same way that a movie we um, did not watch but talked about at one point was The Love Witch, um, which is filmed right. in a very 1960s aesthetic. But it's a modern day. But is was filmed in 2016 or something. Um, yeah, because that's a lot of work to nail that correctly. So mm-hmm. I think it did a really good job of not just feeling like it was set in the 70s, but evoking what a 70s film feels like as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Which again would now makes it more interesting for me to watch the original. original. Yeah. The original. Yeah, because the original, I know people talked a lot about its its use of color and like big, bold splashes of, of primary colors and things like that. Which this didn't have as much of that. It was more muted, maybe desaturated, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is the, the term I would use there. But yeah, very effective, very evocative. To me, it's the kind of like the way that so many films age before yes. it's restored. Yes. That it's kind of that muted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it looks like older film. Um, yeah. So it's not what it looked like originally. Mm-hmm. And the Suspiria 1977 is has been restored. Is it in the Criterion? It's not in the Criterion but collection. It is restored. It has been restored. Somebody else restored it. Another another film restoration company. Oh, I learned recently, Criterion doesn't actually do their restorations in-house. They usually bring in other companies to do those who focus on that. But they are the ones paying for them to be restored mm-hmm. oftentimes. So. <laughs> but it has been restored. Yes. Because... Um, a good film restoration is impressive, as we've seen with, like, Admin of Dr. Caligari. was was a real good-looking film. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And fun to see color tints that were intentional, that you know are intentional by yeah. the restoration company, rather than when you kind of like watch the old ones on YouTube and you're not sure yeah, if it's just, sure like, who's the film went bad or yeah. <laughs> if that's what it was supposed to look like. Um, yeah. Another thing that I liked was the use of all the mirrors. And the dance mirrors were, like, unusual from my ex- limited experience in dance studios. Yes. The mirror itself was maybe a foot and a half yeah. wide, oh, like, and over and over and over on the a wall. A ton of them. Yeah. yeah. Um, instead of, you know, big, big what, six-foot-wide mirrors Where you're trying the to wall. ignore the mirror and just focus on the person behind it or reflected in it. When you're doing your dancing. Yeah. So the, and there are a lot of shots that were kind of, um, mirrors. Mm-hmm. Uh, using mirrors. Using mirrors. Reflecting things. There's a great Definitely. one with, um, towards the beginning, uh, when Susie gets accepted and we're watching it sort of from this up high angle as she's talking to two of the other women. Mm-hmm. And then it rotates into what at first appears to be a reflection of that. It is a reflection of that in what we think is a mirror. And the lighting subtly shifts and you go, oh, Tilda Swinton's watching. Yeah. That's really interesting. That's a beautiful camera move. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of really good camera work in this thing, too. Um, aside from the dance. <laughs> Which um, says it, that means yeah, there's an argument for that. Um, but a lot of work with evoking feeling through what was being filmed and in a lot of times i was very aware of the camera um which can be a bad thing but i think worked here um and sort of aware of like when it was moving and and how it was framing things in unexpected ways um i mean even the opening scene in the psychologist's office where like we never really see 
Patricia's face for a lot of it. We see her at a distance or we see her from behind or we see her framed with her head out of shot or off to the side. Um, so there's there's a lot of important on angles, reflections, mm-hmm. what you see, what you don't see. Yes. Um, which I like when films do because a lot of films just put the camera on and say start acting. Well, and there's, I mean, it's going to play play into incredibly into a psychoanalytic oh absolutely yeah um reading as well which i am not uh theory head enough <laughs> you're not particularly aware even of, yeah. understand um, i always struggle with psychoanalytic analysis it's 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 real hard yeah it is real hard um, give, me, give me that post-structural deconstruction any day yeah that, that's easy <laughs> i know how to do it at least yeah. um <laughs> And that's just, like, the surface. Yeah, I mean, you can go deeper on this. I'm sure someone has. Um, but absolutely a great film to check out. Uh, it's on Amazon Prime. And I, it was a original movie on Amazon. Never yeah, came to, it did come did, to theaters. Did to so because of, all the, because of all theaters, so most digital streaming only movies do get released in theaters so it can be so they can be qualified for Oscar qualified. oscars and other similar awards they don't often get wide releases yeah. um some of them do um i'm pretty sure the new borat movie would have gotten a wide release if there wasn't okay. a pandemic um and like roma the netflix film from a couple of years ago got a big wide release um but yeah it was it was an amazon studios production and I think it was an actual production rather than which Amazon and the other ones do is that someone will do an indie film and then they'll pick it up and go, this is a Netflix original movie that somebody else made and we bought. <laughs> oh, and they do that with uh, TV international shows all the time. Oh, yeah. All the time. Yeah, I noticed that uh, Great Pottery Throwdown is an HBO Max original. <laughs> I'm like, well, mm, is it? But yeah, this yeah. is an... It's interesting. It's it's also kind of in like this second wave white European feminist oh, yeah. space. There's a lot there, <laughs> um, which fits with like seventies feminism yeah. and psychoanalysis. Um, which is to say, it's not a universal reading of women. No, because there is no. no universal reading of women. But it is it is in a white it is in a European very focused space. Yes. Yeah, um, you know, doing a read, looking at the, like, two black women that show up in the film mm-hmm. um, would be interesting. Yeah, but they don't... They don't have a lot. They don't have a lot, but also none of the other characters have a lot. Yeah. That's why I can't tell the difference between the Coven of Witches. Like, mm-hmm. I can see them differently, but I don't yeah. know who's who, and I don't know their personalities. Yes. And... I don't I don't know who any of them are, other than Blanc, Tilda Swinton. Um, but yeah, if you don't like uncomfortable, creepy, creepy, <laughs> mm, bones twisting. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. If you don't like bones, bones twisting, you're going to, you're going to not enjoy this film. Don't watch this. Yeah. But if you want to be creeped out. And see Tilda Swinton play an old German man and completely <laughs> fool Amy the whole time. <laughs> It was just an actor. It was just, just, yeah, some, just some actor guys, I didn't some recognize. Some old German guy I got. <laughs> then yeah. you should watch it. And watch this movie, because it's got that. Movie. 
I feel like Tilda Swinton's done a fair number of like gender bending roles. Yes. Yeah. She does a good job. She does. Yeah. I, I feel like she gets whenever they do the like LGBTQIA genre on like Netflix or something that it <laughs> it's got Tilda Swinton movies. <laughs> and um, I I have no faith in Netflix's genre categories, no. but that I, I um, Although they did put the Babadook in the LGBTQ category. Oh. Was that... Why was that? Nobody knows. Um, yeah. But it became a meme, and so That's... now the Babadook is an LGBTQ ally. Um, and or queer. It's, you know, there's this different interpretations. This is why you just can't trust genres, on, yeah. especially on these streaming services. <laughs> yeah, someone saw that in the, like, queer category, and they were like, well, Babadook's gay now. I, it must have been that a lot of people who watch... Yeah, I'm sure, yeah. Nobody like... can figure it out. <laughs> but the uh, the LGBTQ community took like, it and ran with it and like, yes, in stride. Babadook's ours now. Yeah. <laughs> Well, do you have anything, anything else? Yes, I covered all my I big points. Didn't write anything. It was it was a fun movie. To... Good good movie to end out the spooky month with. Um, oh, also, if you don't like writhing sexuality, uh, this is not the movie. Yeah, there's some of that too. <laughs> not the movie. For you. <laughs> yeah, a lot of a lot of um, uncomfortably naked people. <laughs> Women. Women. There's one uncomfortably naked dude. Oh yeah, there were oh there's two naked oh, there's, dudes, well, but they weren't dancing. Two and a half. Yeah, <laughs> one and a half. One and a half. <laughs> yeah, all right. Okay. Say good night, Amy. No, we got to talk oh, about. Oh yeah, we got to talk about the Patreon. If you subscribe to our Patreon, you get all sorts of cool perks like bonus audio, and this time we have real bonus audio, which is the first three minutes of the podcast we didn't uh, record properly. So you're gonna get that. Good, good news. You can hear us, like literally just talk for two and a half minutes and then do 30 seconds of podcast before the mic broke mm-hmm. um yeah you get super unedited episodes where you get from the moment the mic turns on to the moment the mic turns off so if you want that you can get it you get secret lists of all the movies we didn't watch every week because uh, i always give amy a list of four to five movies to pick from and she picks one and then you can see the movies we didn't pick and sometimes they come back Surprise, surprise. This week's list was made up almost entirely of movies from the last four weeks of Spooky Month. So, you know. Uh, yeah. Um, other perks are you get to help us keep making the thing. I mean, we're going to make it anyway, but you can support us. We appreciate it. Podcasts will always be free for everyone because we're cool like that's that. Podcasts. So that's how podcasts work unless you're on Spotify like a, like a narc. I don't know if that's I, the right I don't think that's... You know, the right word that's not the right word uh i mean we are on spotify but only because spotify pulled our rss feed like everybody else can (laughs) spotify exclusives are the problem uh so fight spotify give us money instead we have less content than spotify but that's okay anything else i'm supposed to say about the the patreon um i think that's good i should say where it is patreon.com slash five degrees that's that's a thing i should say All right, now I can say the magic words. Say goodnight, Amy. Goodnight, Amy.